In just about 10 or 15 minutes, we're going to have our kids who normally sing with us and then go to their classes come and lead the second half of our worship service today. And there's a couple reasons we do this. One, we do this because uh, we believe that intergenerational worship and intergenerational relationships are actually one of the best ways to form a lifelong faith. And so in the month prior to this service, kids are practicing with adults for um, getting ready for this program and for leading our worship service. And so that, in that, there are some uh, amazing relationships that are developed. Another reason we do this is because, honestly, seeing the children tell the Christmas story in its beautiful and simple way reminds us that it's not that hard to share, and it really is beautiful. And the last reason, well, it might not be a reason we do it, but one of the reasons that I love it is because of the expectation and surprise, because they're kids. You quite never know what's going to happen when they come up here. So even though they practiced a lot, we'll see how it goes. We'll just have to wait and see, actually. Uh, speaking of waiting, has anyone been impatient in this last season waiting in line at a store? Anyone want to admit that? Okay, no, some of you shop on Amazon, I get it. Uh, how about you've been, in the last six months, have you been a little irritated at a Wi-Fi connection or a slow internet connection? Aha, mm-hmm. Yes, anybody thought, man, the microwave is taking too long to heat up my food? Okay, see, the reality is we live in this world of immediate delivery and instant gratification where two-day shipping is routine, and expected, and basically any information we want is a finger click away. And that's not necessarily bad, but it's infiltrated our holidays. So we go into this season expecting things to be hurried and hectic and hard to deal with. I mean, in two of the last five years, my wife and I have actually got our Christmas list right. So if, you didn't, if you're expecting a card from us and we didn't get you one, I'm sorry, it's my fault. And the Christmas list has been shared too many times and not edited the right way. So it might just be me. But think about all the things we have to do. The tree decorating, the card writing, the light showcasing, the office parties, the food preparation, the gift buying, plus all the family that you get to have or host or, or spend time with. I mean, in all of these festivities, I can find my inner Scrooge coming out and I just want to be like, oh, bah humbug! In fact, I may have said it on the way here, and I might not be the only one. See, I think that Charles Dickens actually captured a slice of the real meaning of Christmas with his tale, A Christmas Carol, when he creates this character in Ebenezer Scrooge that's so, that's so cranky and stingy and dark that we can't help but drop our defenses. And then the more that we encounter him, the more we realize just how much Scrooge is in each and every one of us. And just like Scrooge needed divine visitation, if you will, to see who he was and the situation he was in, I think each of us needs some divine help to see who we are and the situations that we find ourselves. And that's exactly what we experience in today's reading. So before the kids come up, I want to just challenge us to enter the story of Christmas for a few minutes with two readings. The first is from Luke chapter, or Isaiah 9, and the second is from Luke 1. 
Isaiah 9 says, that nevertheless, there is no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the lands of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in a land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The second reading is from Luke 1, starting in verse 68. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he has said through his holy prophets a long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to his father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. This is God's word, and it's good if we can hear what he is saying to us. See, I think the two things that we need in this season might seem kind of odd, but, but they really are. It's waiting and darkness. We need waiting and darkness to visit us like Scrooge needed the ghost of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future to see who we are and the situations we're in. Our first reading from the prophet Isaiah was to a people who were in darkness. He wrote, uh, of all the places that the writer mentions, Zebulun, Naphtali, and Galilee, these are all places in the the northern kingdom. And the northern kingdom experienced what was called exile by the Assyrian Empire. They were raging across north, north, south, and east across this vast land. And the Assyrians were brutal. They took no prisoners. They didn't bring people to this fugitive place and put them in a concentration camp. They wiped them out, and those that they didn't wipe out, they assimilated into their land, into their language, and into their culture so that they had no heritage, they had no families, and they had no faith. They were lost and in darkness. See, nobody likes to talk about the fact that at Christmas, we sometimes feel lost. Maybe we've lost a loved one in the last year. Maybe we lost a job in the last year. Maybe we've lost our health. And so there's a darkness that nobody really likes to talk about, but is there. Maybe something that you had control of now has control of you, and you don't know what to do. See, I take hope in this darkness here because it's in the darkness where the stars shine the brightest. Even National Geographic said that there are 2,500 individual stars in the night sky that are actually visible to our naked eye. But with the pollution of our city lights, we can really only see two to 300 of them. We have to get outside of the light to actually see the light to go to those dark places so that we can see more clearly and more brightly. 
It's in the darkest places that even the smallest candlelight can shine bright. And that's what the prophet is talking about. When these people were walking in darkness and they saw a great light, the people who rejected God first, this was the Assyrian empire that came in and destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel. God's people that actually had no godly kings, that had rejected him over and over and over. They were rejected first. They rejected God first. And God, in his compassion and mercy, said, I will come to them with my Messiah first. See, if you're lost and you're in darkness and you're wondering if God hears you, you can bet that he will come to you first, that he sees you and he knows where you're at. But sometimes we need that darkness so that we can see. I mean, that's what Isaiah is talking about when he says this king, this savior, this son of God has been given to us. He'll be like a divine warrior with supernatural wisdom. He'll be sovereign over time, over past, present, and future. He's going to come as a ruler full of peace and offering peace, offering justice in a relationship with God. But it's when we dim the lights to the distractions of our lives that we can actually see that. So maybe you need a little bit of darkness because the holiday glitz has gotten in the way and you've been distracted with too many things. The second thing that we might need is the waiting. Our second reading says that it's part of this proclamation by a man named Zechariah. Zechariah eloquently spoke of how this Savior would be merciful enough to come and, and rescue them, but powerful enough to actually free them from their enemies. And sometimes it's, if I'm honest, sometimes it's really easy for me to miss how powerful Jesus is. See, at Christmas, I'm so tempted to see the tiny baby, the helpless, accessible, vulnerable Jesus but miss the majesty and the power that Jesus is too. Because sometimes at Christmas, that's what I need. I need power. I need salvation. I need hope. And it's in the waiting that we find this. And if it's easy for you to miss, I'd just like you to consider that it took nine months for Zechariah to actually share this eloquent speech. There was this moment in Luke 1 earlier where an angel visits him. He gets his own divine messenger. And the angel says to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. See, sometimes... We need waiting. Now, I'm not saying we have to be silent for nine months. I, I couldn't probably do that. But sometimes we do need quiet in this season of Christmas. Sometimes we need to be still and hear all the ways that God is at work through his word, through people, through circumstances. And it's in the waiting that we can actually remember how God has worked in the past and what he's promised for the future. It's when we wait in the present. So no matter what the department stores try to tell you, Christmas is not here yet. 
You don't have to get ready for the after Christmas shopping yet. We can wait a week. We can wait a week. We can open our presents later. Because it's in the waiting that the hope builds, that we actually create a space to see and experience the presence of God with us. And that, that is good news. That is when the God of the universe enters the world to save us and bring us back into relationship and comes through a baby so that even people who say their darkness is too great, they go too fast, even they can stop and see what God has done. So now as the children lead us in the story of the first Christmas, I pray that you too would enter the story of Christmas. That you would accept a little bit of darkness to dim the distractions of your lives. That you would accept a little bit of waiting to let the hope build and to fill you with the peace, love, joy, and hope that Jesus offers. Would you pray with me? God, you say... Let the little children come to you because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I pray that, God, if we don't belong to you, that we would sense your smile today, that we would sense your open arms today, that no matter what we've done, no matter where we are, no matter how dark our world seems to be, that that's when you came. In the darkest night, you arrived accessible, vulnerable, innocent. God, may you bring a little bit of darkness to dim us from the distractions. May you bring some waiting to let the hope build, to let love fill it. May we see who you are, Jesus, the greatness of you, of your name, and of your salvation.